It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome into the Virtual Bible Study. We're glad you're out there. We're glad that we're here with you tonight, and we hope that we will hear from you throughout the portion of the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Jacob, great to be with you tonight on, uh, what is this, January the 8th? It is 2009. And 2009, and I think that uh, we may have fewer listeners than usual tonight because there's somewhat oh. of a football oh, game on. Now, now we're going to have even fewer listeners. They forgot about <laughs> it. They're going to go listen. No, I think the people who are listening okay. are probably uh, dedicated to the virtual Bible study, and, and uh, they're going to forego the football game at least until the program is over. We're glad that you're listening, and if you're one of those regular listeners who chose the football game tonight instead and are listening to us in the archive later on. We're glad you're picking us up in the archive. and we under, I guess we can, it works the same either way. Yeah, we can understand that. We can understand that. But uh, we do appreciate those who are listening live, and we want your participation in our program tonight. You know, uh, I think most of our listeners know our uh, contact info, one eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven is a toll-free call. And our email is questions at collegeview.com. Jacob, we've got a new listener uh, who has contacted us this week, and he's got some email comments on our questions for the study this tonight. Uh, Samuel from India uh, joined our email update list earlier this week, and this and and today has sent us an email response to to the questions we put out earlier today. And so, pretty amazing uh, that uh, the virtual Bible study can get all the way to India, and people are listening and uh, learning uh, in India. That's We're halfway around the world, or maybe a little farther. Yeah, I don't guess you can go any farther. I don't guess you can go more than halfway. Well, it's good to have you, Sam. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Samuel. We're glad that you're listening, and uh, we look forward to your input to our program tonight. And anybody else who's listening, let me give you the questions that we sent out earlier today, and and our topic for discussion tonight has to do with the idea of the urgency of obeying the gospel, the need to do it and to do it without delay is what we want to talk about. That's the theme for our study tonight. And uh, we put out some questions as we do every week on Thursday. Earlier in the day on Thursday, we put out some questions to suggest some of the things that we'd like to include in our discussion for that night. We've got several hundred people who get that update every week, and we'd be glad to add you to that update list, if you'll send us an email to questions at collegeview.com, we'll put you on that update list. Just send us an email and put in the subject line, add me to your list, and we will do that. Uh, the questions we sent out earlier today, why should I not wait until I'm on my deathbed to become a Christian? Question one. Question two, list the advantages of being a Christian right now. In other words, we're not just talking about going to heaven. I think everybody understands to serve God uh, has the ultimate prize of going to heaven. But we want to hear your input about what are some of the advantages of being a Christian right now. And then, I mean, to be honest, there may be some things that are disadvantages, some hardships that result from being a Christian now. So question three is list any disadvantages that you see in being a Christian right now. All right. So those are our questions. We want to hear from you at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. You talk about uh, not wanting to wait until your deathbed. That is a common idea. And I was speaking with a gentleman today about uh, end times, and a lot of people are looking for signs. They want to know when the end is getting near. The idea is we'll make sure we're on the train when the train leaves the station, but we don't want to get on any time earlier before it leaves the station. We want to wait right till the end, and maybe there will be some kind of, uh, of warning. Maybe some kind of special message will go out over the airways. And then we can know it's time. We got to straighten up our life. So, so you, it, it, I had never thought of it that way, but some people might view it like, as you say, getting on a train or a plane, and you, you definitely want to be on there to get to that to the destination. But there's no use getting on there early. You're not going to get there, and so you wait till the last minute to now, check. Isn't in. this why people are looking for in signs of the of the of the end? Maybe for one reason. It, it might be. Maybe one yeah, reason. it might be. Uh, and we, we want to talk about some of those reasons why people 
might delay their obedience. And we believe it's foolish. We, th- and we and think it's the wrong thing to do. Your life is your life is not what it can be. It is not as good as it can be by you waiting if you've not put your life into obedience right now. Exactly right. So our our theme for discussion tonight is the idea of urgency in obeying the gospel and why we should do it and what are some of the advantages of doing it. Um, Jacob, we might look at at some of the reasons why people delay uh, uh, some of the things that that at least I have heard people say over time. One of the things that that some people do is they say that they want to wait to become a Christian until they know the Bible better. In other words, I I don't feel like I know enough, and so I'm waiting to become a Christian until I know the Bible better. Well, the problem with that, as I see it, is that I I think it's a faulty excuse because there were very many people whose stories are recorded in the New Testament who obeyed the gospel immediately upon hearing the truth about Jesus. Acts chapter 2, they heard one sermon, and they hadn't gotten the revelation of the New Testament yet. They couldn't have known everything that was in the New Testament. Acts 10, Cornelius obeyed the very day that he uh, was taught the truth by Peter. Acts 8, the Ethiopian eunuch didn't know who Jesus was. He he was a student of the Old Testament. But he couldn't even understand. He didn't even understand the prophecies of Isaiah, and yet upon having that one Bible study, I guess you could call it, with the Philip on uh, on the road uh, in the chariot, he became a Christian. <clears throat> and so those who argue that you got to wait until you're a very accomplished Bible student before you become a Christian, uh, I, I don't think there's any basis for that in the New Testament. We see lots of cases of people who obeyed real quickly upon hearing the truth and learning it. And furthermore, if if your if your feeling is you don't know enough yet, well, why don't you get busy? How long is it going to take you to learn? Is it going to take you a, a, a day, a week, a month, a year, ten years? There are people who've waited for years and say, I'm, I'm not going to become a Christian until I know the Bible better, but they're not making any effort to learn it better. If you put forth the effort, it is not a difficult process to learn what you need but to know. But it's not a prerequisite. It's not a prerequisite. It's not a prerequisite to, to know the Bible thoroughly. Cover to cover. Right. Okay. <laughs> exactly right. But – uh, people use that excuse. I thought you couldn't hear me there when I said that. You acted no, like I wasn't I sure what you've you got headphones on there. They should tell you. Um, now, uh, another one uh, is that people think that they need to get everything straightened out in their life. There's a lot of I've got a lot of issues in my life, and I've got to get some things in order before I become a Christian. Well, certainly uh, we can't go ahead and live our lives in sin with things in a disarray in our life. But part of the process of becoming a Christian is. You get your life in order. So why not just get your life in order and become a Christian? Well, what I actually think people are saying when they say that, I don't want to become a Christian until I get certain things straightened out in my life. What I think they're actually suggesting, although they wouldn't want to come out and say it, is that there's a hesitance to repent. Maybe maybe the thing that they've got to get straightened out is maybe that they're a drinker. And i got to get that straightened out before I become a Christian. But I'm not ready yet. But I'm really not ready to give up drinking alcohol yet, and so I'm going to delay my obedience. Or there's something else. Maybe they're engaged. Maybe they're involved in some uh, relationship with someone that they don't have a right to. Maybe they're married to someone that they don't have a right to, and they're saying, i got to get some things straightened out in my life, and I'm not going to become a Christian until I do. What they're saying is there's things going on. I'm involved in things that I don't want to quit doing just yet. That's and that's a that's a bad thing. That's basically telling the Lord, Lord, I want to be a Christian. I want the benefits of being a Christian. But right now, I want to continue to serve myself and do what I want to do. Here's one that I've heard. Um, someone who has been a Christian who had fallen away and knew that they needed to make their life right. They didn't want to do that because they said it would be too hurtful for them to confess their sins to other Christians. That it would it would just shake them so much that it would. It would harm them if they knew all the things that this gentleman had been involved in. Oh, in other words, he he felt that other Christians would be shocked and discouraged if they knew sure. what he would do. Sure. I don't think that's the case. You know, the angels of heaven rejoice when a sinner repents, and Christians do too. And I don't care what sins people might have been involved in. And it's not a shock to other people that you're a sinner. Yeah. Um, you're breathing air, and they know that you're a sinner as a result of that. Right. Of course, there are always, when we think about people and the reasons why they might delay obeying, there are always people who say that they're waiting for a a more convenient time, a a time when it will be maybe easier or more convenient. And that reminds us of, of course, the expression in in 
Acts chapter 24, beginning verse 24. It says, after certain days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. So Felix is the the one who was famous for saying, I want to do it when it's more convenient. Of course, the Bible text goes on to describe that apparently he never found that time. And the problem with that, I think, is because there never is a time. There will never be a time when it is more convenient to be a Christian, easier to be a Christian than to not be one. It's always going to require effort, and and it's never going to be easier to become a Christian. It's always better to be a Christian than not a Christian, but it's not ever easier. And you're not going to find a convenient time. It's a narrow road versus the broad and easy way. Yeah. Okay. And then haven't you also heard, as we're thinking about some of the things people have said, reasons why they delay their obedience, haven't you heard some people say, well, I'm going to wait to become a Christian until I can, until I, until I think I can live the Christian life perfectly or fully. I'm going to wait. In other words, I, I want to develop myself to the level where I think I can live a perfect Christian life before I even begin trying to be a Christian. Um, <laughs> that may be also, Jacob, the idea of not ready to repent of some of the things they're doing, but the whole idea that you could wait, develop, uh, mature spiritually before ever even becoming a Christian so that you'd be a great Christian just as soon as you obeyed the gospel is a wrong idea. Uh, the, The fact of the matter is nobody is going to be perfect, but with the help of the Lord, we can, we can do what he wants us to do. Paul said in Philippians chapter four, verse 13, I can do all things, through Christ, which strengthens me. So Paul understood his strength came from the Lord. Until you become a Christian, you don't have that strength from the Lord. Paul said, I can do all things, not on, my, on the basis of my own strength, but I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. So he put his trust in the Lord. That's where we need to put our trust in the Lord. And so if you've had that idea that you want to postpone your obedience until you reach a level where you think you can do a better job of being a Christian just as soon as you become a Christian, that's that's wrong thinking too. So there are just several things that that are in people's minds, reasons they give to postpone or delay their obedience that I think are just faulty. They don't make they don't make good sense and they they don't line up with reality and they don't line up with what the Bible tells us. The Bible teaches us the idea of obeying the gospel immediately. You know, one of the great examples of immediate obedience is that case in Acts chapter 16 of the Philippian jailer. Actually, all the cases of conversion in the, in the book of Acts, and the book of Acts teaches the conversion of literally thousands of people in the book of Acts were converted. There's not an exception. All the people who obeyed the gospel obeyed without delay. They were all immediate uh, case, cases of immediate obe- uh, obedience, but the case of the Philippian jailer is amazing. Remember, he had been, in Acts chapter 16, he had been one of the ones who was responsible for persecuting Paul and Silas, put them in prison. He was in charge of keeping them in the prison. They they didn't deserve to be there, and he was he was party to their persecution in that he was holding them in prison. There was a mirac- there was a miraculous earthquake in the middle of the night, sometime after midnight. The text tells us, and this uh, all, the events surrounding that caused the jailer to seek some something from Paul and Silas, and they taught him the gospel. And it says that in Acts chapter 16 at verse uh, 33, he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightway. This this was sometime after midnight, what we might refer to as the wee small hours of the morning, when the Philippian jailer learned the truth and what he needed to do. He was baptized in that same hour of night, sometime after midnight, one, two, three o'clock in the morning. He was baptized with his family. That's pretty impressive case of obeying without delay. You mentioned that it happened uh, repeatedly. We see the conversions in the New Testament were were uh, urgent. They wanted to be converted. Now, it's not a coincidence. It is a result of a true conviction and understanding of the need for salvation. If we understand that, then it will be an immediate response that we want to be obedient to God's instructions. If you found out that some great offer was being made, maybe, uh, you know, that, they're giving away new cars. He says, ah, I'm not going to go over there today. I might go over there next week sometime. No, if you thought there was something great to be gained, a new car or they're giving away money or whatever, 
you'd rush to the site where the giveaway is taking place, and you'd you'd be there as quick as you could to participate in the benefit of that. Something good being offered, you wouldn't delay to get to there and, and, and participate. And that's what we're saying here. There should be no delay in our obedience. All right. If you understand the the benefits of yourself of being obedient and you understand the urgency because of the uncertainty of our life. We can talk about that on the other side of the break. We want to hear from you at 877-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. They're listening in Indiana tonight. We've got an email from Indiana we'll get to from the other side of the break, and we'll hopefully hear from you. We want to hear from you on the program. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hi, I'm Anthony Petrochko, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. We want to remind you that our website, www.collegeview.com or www.thevirtualbiblestudy.com, has lots of valuable study tools available for your use. First, you can find archives of all our past programs there. We've covered a wide variety of topics, including doctrinal issues, moral and ethical questions, and many things related to living daily as a Christian. And while we don't have a search engine option on our website, Website, remember that you can hit Control F and type in a keyword. You'll then see that keyword highlighted on the page. For instance, if you hit Control F and typed in the word worship, you'd find these past programs that we've conducted. Does it matter how we worship? What about contemporary worship and hand clapping? Our worship, pleasing to God or pleasing to man? And instrumental music in worship. That's just an example, but you get the idea as to how the web page can be used to help in your study of various subjects. Also remember that we have copies of our church bulletin on the website, and these bulletins include articles on hundreds of topics. You'll also find some recorded sermons, some Bible tracts, as well as information about the College View Church. So be sure to check out the valuable resources on our website. Again, the address is collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And thanks again for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Be sure to tell others. Hi, my name is Bob Tidwell, and I want to remind you that the Virtual Bible Study provides a great opportunity to use your computer for something good. So turn off the TV and gather your family around the computer each Thursday night for the Virtual Bible Study. Use your Internet connection for something good. Listen to the Virtual Bible Study every week. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study. If you're just joining us, and some people are just joining us, uh, maybe that ball game got canceled. I don't know. No, maybe they're at uh, halftime or something. Oh, maybe it's a blowout. It's maybe boring. <laughs> maybe, yeah. We're glad that you're joining us. If you're just joining us, we're talking about our obedience and why it doesn't make any sense to delay obedience. In fact, it uh, makes perfect sense to be obedient and to be obedient now. Before we get to this, Jacob, I want to just comment that break. In that break, our friend Bob Tidwell just said, you know, uh, the virtual Bible study is an opportunity to use your computer for something good. Uh, turn off the TV, get your family around the, the computer for the virtual Bible study. You know, that'd be a good New Year's resolution to do. We need, We all need to turn the TV off. Families need to spend time without the TV. And this, this is a, a pretty easy way to spend an hour in Bible study every week. Why not make it a priority with your family to say, you know, for this year, we're going to make an appointment on Thursday nights with the virtual Bible study. We're going to get our family gathered together, and it gives us a chance to spend time. And as we're talking about things here, you can join in by email and phone calls, and you can join in right there in your own home with your own family discussing subjects that come up as we're discussing. It's them not about there. studying the Bible with you or I, you and I. It's about studying the Bible with the in, world, really. Yeah, you get yeah. to study with Samuel in India. Yeah. Uh, we've had listeners in Europe and uh, South America. And so you get to study the Bible here, viewpoints and uh, interpretations from people around the world. And so we can better know what God wants from us in our lives. So we appreciate you listening tonight. We're talking yeah. about uh, the need for obedience and Dad, we talked about the fact that in the old, in the uh, in the New Testament, we read about conversions. They were urgent. They wanted to do it immediately. And part of the reason why is the realization of their lost condition and the um, the fact that the, that they needed to take care of that immediately before their life came to a conclusion. And you know, our life is brief, Dad. The Bible is very uh, clear on the fact that our life is brief; that uh, it won't last long. Um, in First Peter chapter one verse twenty four, for all flesh is as grass, and the glory of man as the flower grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. Here we in the northern hemisphere, Dad. We, we just have to step outside and look at our front yards where they were once green and lush, and now that that grass is withered away and is gone. 
and uh, and you can't even tell that there was nice grass there in certain places. That's, used, our, that's how our life is. Exactly right. The Bible uses that uh, symbolism uh, in other places, like Psalm 103, verse 14, beginning, For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. So, again, uh, the, 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 the symbolism of something living that dies quickly and is gone is used to, uh, the grass is used to illustrate the brevity of our life. And a flower as well. And Job uh, chapter 14, verses 1 and 2 uses the same symbolism of our life being like a flower. Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. Those flowers that were in our yard not many days ago, now they're gone, and uh, you have no memory, uh, no uh, proof that they were ever there. Same will be of our lives. Our lives will be over in a short amount of time. One of the word pictures I really like about the brevity of life is in James chapter 4 and verse 14. It says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Again, talking about us here in, in the northern hemisphere in the wintertime, and you see these vapors maybe f- coming from a car exhaust or something, and there may be a big cloud of vapors, and then just, just as soon as it appears, it disappears. It's gone. And, uh, again, that symbolism is used to describe the brevity of our life. It, it's We're not here forever, and, and we're not really here for very long. And before you leave that passage, it also shows the uncertainty. We don't even know what will happen tomorrow. And there have been many people who have made plans for tomorrow, and they suddenly die with no uh, warning, no indication their life is terminated. Our life is uncertain. Exactly right. And so the uncertainty of life is one of the big reasons why we should not postpone obedience. And I think uh, uh, almost every one of our email responders uh, is, is making that same point. Let's read some of these. We've got an email from Indiana which says, uh, should I wait until I am dying to become a Christian? And, and he says, how do you know when you're going to die? You're gambling with your life and soul by taking this attitude. Not only are you taking a chance on being able to make things right just before you die, you're also sinning by gambling that you will be able to make that choice before you die. Your chances of being able to do it are not in your favor. I think that's exactly right. If you were to if you were to think about what's the poss- the possibilities that I'm going to die and die in such a fashion that I'll be able to consciously make a choice to serve the Lord in those last days or last moments of my life. That's fairly unlikely if you consider it. A lot of lives uh, end suddenly by accident or something else, and many lives that end in sickness render a person incapable of being able to make the choice to obey in the last days of life. So I, I would say that probably a majority of people who die are not in a favorable condition to be able to make that choice at, at the very last of their life. It's, 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 a, it's a bad, as our email responder says, it's a bad gamble at the very least. Uh, Samuel in India says, why I should not wait till my deathbed to become a Christian? One reason is if everyone knew when, where, and how they were going to die, then everyone would wait till their deathbed to become a Christian. Nobody would be. If that was the case, if you if you knew these details exactly, he says everybody would just uh, nobody would be a Christian. Everybody would just be holding on to the last moment and then making that decision. Maybe so. Uh, here's an illustration of the fact that, we, uh, that these emailers are talking about, Dad. That you you don't know when you're going to die. The statistics say, and this may or may not be an accurate statistic, 60% of Americans die without a will. Again, uh, if these if if 60% of Americans knew they were going to die and knew when they were going to die, certainly they would go ahead and make a will. 60% of Americans don't even make a will. Same is true for becoming a Christian. You don't know, and it's impossible to know when you're going to die, and so uh, it, this is foolish. Exactly right. Uh, we've got an email from Patrick in Birmingham who says the the first answer I would give is that no one has any guarantees. You may die suddenly and have no warning of your impending death. And even if you do have the opportunity to make preparation for death because you know it is near, you have intentionally made the habit of postponing repentance and turning toward God for your entire life. Then you have been repeatedly hardening your heart that entire time. 
By the time you have the opportunity, your heart may very well be hardened to the point that you will not repent even if given the final opportunity. Besides, why deny yourself the benefits of friendship with God during your life? And speaking of friendship, what kind of duplicitous mind desires to spend eternity with God in heaven but refuses to begin that relationship here on earth? Amen. Pretty good points. You know, that's the whole thing about delaying is we have the attitude that being a Christian is like getting whipped and getting beaten. And I'm going to put off that that beating as long as I can. And I'll take my medicine right at the end so that I don't have to be whipped any more days than I'm going to have to be whipped. And if I could get by with maybe half a day before I die, that would be better than becoming a Christian now and being whipped the rest of my life. That's not the way yeah. it is. And I think that's what we want to get to in our study, and we're going to do that before we're done, uh, is to talk about the advantages of being a Christian now, not just to go to heaven when we die, but the advantages right now. We're going to deal, too, with the idea that there are some hardships of being Christians, but there's benefits. If you haven't emailed us yet, do so and tell us what you think are the benefits of being a Christian right now. Like Patrick says, though, it's crazy to say I want to be with God forever, for God, where, where there's no sin, where I can't do any of these things that I'm holding on to now in this life. I can't I can't. Uh, do all of this this sinning in heaven, but that's where I want to go. Yeah. But I can't stand the thought of it right now. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that Patrick makes. And, and I like his point, too, about the fact that if you keep postponing and you have the, your idea, the idea in mind, I'm going to obey the gospel later in life, what you're doing is you're postponing repentance and you're hardening your heart toward God. And the likelihood is that when you get to later in life, your heart will be thus hardened to where you wouldn't be interested in becoming a Christian. I, I've known specific cases of people like that, Jacob, through the years. I've known of people that I thought were really close to obeying the gospel. I mean, really, just nearly there, but they didn't. What happens over time is they they, they then move away from it, and they never get back to that point where, they're cl- where they desire sure. to obey. Mm-hmm. There is a hardening of the heart that takes place. So I think Patrick's point is really well made. All right. And we have Stephen in uh, Pennsylvania. He says, as I learned from Al Kendall's lesson from Vermont, if we wait until we are on our deathbed, then we are delaying repentance. The danger in delaying repentance is that we may never know when we're going to die, and it can happen in an instant, even to the younger generation. In addition, we miss out on the blessings of serving the Lord. A lot of people do not want to serve the Lord in their hearts, and they think that they can save themselves in the last minute of, of death, but this is usually not the case. So if we were to sort of put all of that together, there's a whole lot of reasons in answer to our first question is why I should not wait until my deathbed to become a Christian. One is you don't know when you're going to die. Secondly, if you if you postpone that, you're hardening. You're likely going to let your heart. You're get reducing hardened. the chances that you will be obedient. Yeah, yeah. You're not improving them. And and third, most people at the end of life are not in a position to make that kind of choice. Either death happens suddenly or, or or death happens by sickness that has rendered you incapable of making such a decision. And and then finally what Patrick said, it just it, it just seems totally uh contradictory to say, I want to go to heaven and be with God forever, but I don't want to be with him now. I don't yeah. want to have him in my life now, I don't want to devote myself to him now. But I do want to be with him forever. What, what sense does that make? That really makes no sense at all. So I think we put that all together. There's just there, there are lots of reasons why we would say it it is does not make sense, and it is not a good choice to say I want to wait to my deathbed to become a Christian. All right, we'll take some more comments. We have another email that we need to get to, and we'll hopefully have an email from you on the other side of the break. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. You are surely familiar with the Miranda Law, which requires police officers to recite certain basic rights to the persons they are arresting. The familiar words go like this. You have the right to remain silent. Any statement you make can and will be used against you. You have the right to an attorney and so forth and so on. We think that a set of rights could and should be set forth for all Christians in their dealings with one another. Consider these. Number one, you have the right to the love of your fellow Christians. This is not just an emotional feeling, but a real concern for you that even puts your needs above their own. John chapter 13, verse 35. Number two, you have a right to the sacrificial service that others can provide when you need it. John 13, verses 12 through 15. And you have the right to serve your brethren in return when you have the opportunity to do so. Matthew 23, verse 11. Galatians 6, verse 10. 
Number three, you have the right to have your convictions respected by others. Romans 14, verse 21. Number four, you have the right to know that no one will harshly judge you in an unrighteous way or impugn your motives. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Number five, you have the right to a confidence that others will not gossip about you or maliciously slander you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Number six, you have the right to be the first one to know if others think you have done or said something wrong. Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17. Number seven, you have the right to expect correction and instruction when you are in error. 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. Number eight, you have the right to be restored if you have fallen away into error. Galatians 6, verse 1. Number nine, you have the right to disciplinary action by the whole church if it becomes necessary. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 6. Number ten, you have the right to be forgiven when you repent and confess. James chapter 5, verse 16, Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4. Again, those are your rights when it comes to your dealings with fellow Christians. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Cole, and I'm eight years old. My name is Thomas, and I'm seven years old. And our families love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. All right, we're talking about our obedience to God and how the fact that we do not want to delay, number one, because we do not know when we will die, and number two, when we delay our obedience, it makes, us hard, it makes it harder for us to obey in the future. But now we want to get to the real... Well, we got one more email. This came in okay. from our friend Phil in Spring Hill, Tennessee, right. who says, why I wouldn't want to wait till my deathbed. He says a lot of the same things we've been... Everybody's been saying, you don't know when your deathbed will come or if you'll have time to submit to God, and you need to stop being selfish. It's not about you. Use your life to glorify God and help others. Really, it is. I think that's the point. The problem is people are, are interested in serving self rather than accomplishing the purpose for which they are put here on the earth, and that is to bring glory to the Creator. Amen. Thank you, Phil, for those good comments. All right, now, so now to the meat of the, the subject, Dad, and, and this is important for people who are not being obedient, but it's important for us as who are trying to be obedient. We need to realize the advantages and the benefits of being a Christian, being obedient. The person who's not been obedient yet needs to realize those benefits, and we need to realize those benefits so we're convinced that we're doing the right thing. The the Bible describes lots of great benefits that are for here and now, and that was the question we asked. List the advantages of being a Christian right now. The Bible tells us there's a lot to be gained by being a Christian. Now, being a Christian is not like eating broccoli or something. You know, that there's, there's nothing good about it. It's like going to school after summer vacation. You know, it's terrible. No. no, no. The Bible tells us there's great benefits to being a Christian right now. We want to talk about some of those things. Jacob, go ahead. All right. One of the benefits we have, and I believe we're, we're alluded to uh, in our email from Indiana, is that we have peace. Christ promised peace in John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus promised peace. And that peace comes through a right relationship with God that we obtain through the salvation offered through Christ. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have that peace, Dad, of knowing that we're in a right relationship with God. I like Philippians 4, verse 7. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This peace that is being described there is a peace that says... Even in the uncertainties of life, even in difficult times, even in great hardship, I have the peace that comes from knowing that I have a relationship with God that is not affected by all of the things that are going on in this physical world. That's a great peace. <coughs> uh, our, our listener in Indiana says you will not have to worry about your soul when you will die. You will be ready for your death now. And also the peace of mind that you will have will make your life a lot more enjoyable by not having to worry about the last breath you will take and when it will occur. And so uh, he suggests uh, uh, the idea of the peace as being uh, an important reason to be a Christian now. Uh, I wonder lots of times about people who are, are not serving God. How do they deal with this? How, how do they deal with the uncertainty and, and, the, and the, the stress, I think, that that would cause would be terrible. Instead of the peace of mind that passes all understanding, they have this uncertainty of mind and the stress of not knowing what their future is. Because they know that there is a God. They can look at the world around them, know that there is a God, and by default then, if there is a God, then they're going to have to give answer to him. And they know that, but how can they get up in the morning and go about their life 
knowing that they're not in a right relationship with him. There certainly is no peace there. And we have that peace as a result of our obedience, and we ought to realize that blessing. And if we're not obedient, we ought to want to be obedient immediately so we can enjoy that peace. Exactly right. The Scriptures also use the word hope to talk about what we have in Christ. First uh, uh, Peter 1, verse 13 says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind to be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we have something to hope for. In any situation, one of the things that sustains a person is hope for something in the future. If you if you're if you were in, uh, for instance, uh, we've heard heartrending stories of people who were in, in like prisoner of war camps or concentration camps. And I would think, although thankfully I've never experienced anything like that, I would think one one of the things that would sustain you in a terrible situation like that is that. There's hope that this will end. This, there's, there's hope, something to look forward to. People who are not in Christ don't have that hope in regards to eternity. They don't have anything to look forward to. In fact, they have only something to dread. But the Christian has hope. In fact, we talk about that uh, dreading of the day of our death. We don't have to dread that. We don't have to dread the coming of Christ. In Titus chapter 2, verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We can look forward to the end of our life because we know the blessings that are awaiting us on the, uh, on the, at the end of our life. As opposed to in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 27, it talks about some who have only a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the Lord's adversaries. It, you know, what do they have to look forward to? Only horrible punishment. We have a hope of, of, a, of a glorious future. That's a blessing that we enjoy right now. Today, as a result of our obedience, and if we're not obedient right now, we should want to do so immediately so we can have that hope of what comes after this life is over. Exactly right. And yeah. another word, we talked about we talked about peace, hope, and another word that's used in the scriptures to talk about the blessings in Christ are, is the word joy. Again, we talked about the fact that this is not like eating your vegetables or just getting beaten every day of your life until you are fortunate enough to die. No, being a Christian has joy attached to it. Yeah, Romans chapter 5, verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. There's joy associated with knowing these things and being a participant in these things. All right. And we have other benefits as well, Dad. We talk about the fact that we're free from the problems that sin brings in our life. Look, I think that's a huge point. Go ahead and. Well, now, now we, that's not the way that we look at it sometimes. Sometimes people look at it as, boy, wouldn't it be nice to be able to sin? Look at, look at those people in the world and how they get to live. Wouldn't that be nice? Instead, we ought to look at how nice it is not to have to live like that. Well, the, the, sin is, the sin, of course, we, we, we don't want to be, uh, you know, disregarding what the Bible even says about the idea that sin has pleasure for a season. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So we're not denying the fact that sin has a pleasurable aspect to it, but it's very short-lived. It's temporary. And And it's deceitful. And it's deceitful. And what it will ultimately bring is all kind of grief and heartache. And so if we're Christians, we avoid the problem that sin would bring. For instance, as a Christian, if I understand that I'm not to drink uh, intoxicating alcohol, uh, what have I given up? I haven't really given up anything other than potentially a, a temporary pleasure of sin for a season. But what I have done is I've avoided getting myself into all the heartache and trouble and grief that alcohol brings into people's lives. I've complete, I, I don't even have to. I don't even have to consider that. I don't have to worry about that. That is completely not even going to happen to my life, because I've learned the truth of God's word and I abstain from participation in that sin. Uh, the, all kinds of sin and 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 the heartache and grief and trouble it brings into people's lives are avoided by Christians who are living the way God told us to live, because He knew what was best for us. That's the key, I think, Jacob. God knew what was best for us, and He gave us rules. 
not just for rules' sake, but rules that would be designed to help us. Now, isn't it foolish, and the Bible says that we're fools when we don't obey, but isn't it foolish when we think about it, the, the creator of this entire world and the one who created us and knows what's best for us gave us an instruction book telling us how to live our lives so that we can have the best life here and now and be free from all these problems of sin and how foolish we are when we avoid studying it and when we do study it, we see things that it tells us to do and we don't want to do them. It's foolish because we're just causing ourselves heartache and grief. Yeah, one of the verses that we've mentioned a lot of times on the virtual Bible studies, Deuteronomy 6.24, says the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. Moses said concerning the law to the children of Israel back then, and it's true, I believe, of God's law for us today in the New Testament, it's for our good. God didn't just make rules because he said, I'm I'm just going to make a hard rule just to see if they can live up to it. That's not the nature of a loving God. God gave the rules. He instructed us because he knew if we kept those rules, it would be the be- for the best for us in the long run. Instead, here's how we study the Bible, though. We, we open up just one eye. We open it up just enough that we can see a little bit. And then we just crack the Bible open and look into it and think to ourselves, I hope I don't find anything in here that God wants me to do. I hope I don't find anything in here that I have to change. Instead, Dad, we ought to open our Bibles wide open and dig through the pages to find out every instruction that God has for us in the Scriptures because we want to do every one of them because we know that every one of them is for our good. Exactly right. Several other things that we could mention quickly. One of the things, the blessing that we have, our our friend Jack in Hampshire, Tennessee, has written in to say a benefit of being a Christian is being able to pray to God. Romans 8, 26 tells us the Holy Spirit intercedes for us when we pray to God. What a blessing. Uh, one of the great blessings here and now is that we have a relationship with the creator of the universe wherein we can actually come before his throne and make our petitions known to him. As Jack says, what a blessing it is to be able to pray to God and to have that. Act. The scriptures tell us that now I think a lot of people deceive themselves into believing that they can pray, but the scriptures tell us that those who are not in this relationship with God don't have that privilege and God doesn't hear their prayers uh, uh, for, for instance, in Second Peter, let's see, or is it First First Peter? First Peter chapter three verse twelve: The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. All right, and so we have that relationship with God, and then here's another one: we have a relationship with our brethren, with other people who are trying to live the same way, who are interested in serving. Uh, their Lord. And I think a good way to think about that is that we get to be in a close personal relationship with the best people on earth. Certainly. I mean, I, and I believe that's a fair way to describe God's true faithful servants in this world today. They are the best people in the world. And therefore, we get to have these as our close friends, the people we associate with, the people we spend time with, the people who are there as a resource to help and strengthen us as we're trying to live for Christ. And so uh, I think that's a huge benefit right now. Who you want to be around in this world? You want to be around the dregs of society, the worst people, the sinners? No. We get to be around the best people in the world. What a blessing. All right. What a blessing. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. You think about all the blessings that we enjoy by being a Christian and by being obedient to, to God's will. We would just be fools to delay yeah. Not taking advantage of those options. And one, th- one thing we haven't mentioned, Jacob, is forgiveness of sins. The, 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 the ability to know that we're forgiven for the wrongs that we've committed, because we've all done that. All of sin comes short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. And the wages of sin is death. In other words, eternal death is what we deserve. But we've been given the forgiveness of sins and salvation of our souls through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's a real blessing, to have, not just toward eternity, to know that our sins are forgiven, but to know right now that I stand in a forgiven relationship with God is 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 something very good to know and, and a blessing of being a Christian. All right. It is certainly a blessing, and it is certainly foolish for us to delay our obedience. We want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts right now. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Oh, Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. 
Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the Virtual Bible Study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the Virtual Bible Study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. Hi, my name is Zach Coleman, and when I'm listening to the Virtual Bible Study, I love to hear comments from other listeners. So please join in tonight's discussion by sending an email or by making a phone call. The address is questions at collegeview.com, and the phone number is toll-free, 877-381-4567. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And there's another benefit of being a Christian. We have God. He is on our side. He'll never leave us or forsake us. What a wonderful blessing. Certainly it is foolish for us to not listen to God. Our Father's instruction, Proverbs 15, verse 5, says, A fool despiseth his Father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. God's instructions are for our good. We want to hear from you. We have uh, enough time to take your call at 877-381-4567. Use the phone and let us know your thoughts or send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. We got we got to get to these emails, Jacob. Several of our emailers have told us what they think are some of these advantages. We were kind of listing some of the things that were on our mind. Uh, we got several more emailers who suggested the advantages of being a Christian. Right now, uh, Samuel in India says... Uh, he says a little background. He says Christians in India are being persecuted right now. And I suppose one of the advantages of being a Christian right now is that our faith is being tested and the persecution we face helps develop maturity. Wow. I think that's pretty powerful. I mean, that's a mature way to look at it. Yes. I believe it's the way that James said we should look at even hardships as a Christian. He's, James chapter 1 Verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So James said that's a that's a way we ought to look at it, that, that even in persecution there's an upside. A lot of people would say that is a, a, a downside, but... Uh, Samuel in India is saying that is a plus. Thank you, Samuel. Excellent point. We got Patrick in... Birmingham, who says, advantages of being a Christian right now, friendship with God. If God be for us, who can be against us? I see the lives of people who do not believe in or trust or obey God, and I see people who live in constant fear of something or another. In their mind, the sky is always ready to fall. As it is written in Proverbs 28, 1, the wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. When one trusts in God, he can have confidence that his needs will always be met, and he can live in peace. There's no guarantee that one will be rich by human standards, but he's guaranteed wealth that money can never buy, things like a clean conscience, genuine peace, and an indescribable reward in the afterlife if one is faithful. Well said, Patrick. I think a very good summary of the kind of blessings that a true Christian enjoys. And Steve in Pennsylvania says uh, the advantages, as stated before, we get to serve the Lord and we are counted as worthy enough by the Lord to spread the gospel. There is such an, that is such an awesome privilege. I do not know what you mean when you imply right now as the privileges for being a Christian as uh, have always been the same. So he's saying that this is a advantage, a blessing that people throughout time have enjoyed. Yeah, what I what I meant by that, and that, that's a, I appreciate Stephen saying that the question may need clarification or what maybe wasn't well stated. I was wanting to contrast here and now versus hereafter. The the right now I meant was in this lifetime presently, as opposed to. The, the ultimate reward of heaven. I think all who understand anything about serving God would would agree that ultimately what we want to do is go to heaven. But what we're saying is it, it doesn't make sense to postpone your obedience. Our first point in our study tonight was why would I not want to wait to my deathbed to become a Christian? And, and what we're saying is if I, if I did that, and there's all kinds of wrong reasons to do that, but if I did that, I'd be messing, I'd be missing out on all kind of benefits I could have right now. That's, that's what I meant by right now okay. when I posed that exactly question. Exactly right. Phil in Spring Hill says, you have a heavenly father who will train you and lead you better than any natural father. He is wiser than you are. Listen to him. Your relationships, for example, your marriage, uh, your parental, your vocational, and your social relationships are of a higher quality when they function God's way. Your life can cause others to give glory to the creator. You have a confident expectation, hope, 
of your eternal reward. You don't have to go through your life wondering if you will be able to come to the Lord at the very end. So Phil notes some excellent reasons there why and benefits and advantages of being a Christian right now. All right. So I think uh, uh, well said, Phil. I think those are important things. I think all of our all of our responders are are sort of in line uh, w- with the idea. There's just great benefits to being a Christian now, and it would be foolish to postpone that. And again, I I think a very simple illustration of that, Jacob, is if something great was being offered, some some physical thing, they were giving away new cars, or they're 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 giving away money. You wouldn't say, well, yeah. I'd, I suppose I'd like to have that, I, but I, I think I'll wait. You know, I'll wait a few days. I'll wait till next week. I'll wait till next month to go see about it. If you knew there was something great to be had, something very beneficial to be had, you would rush to where they're giving that away. You wouldn't wait. You would do it immediately so you could begin to to enjoy that benefit instantaneously. Well, you, and that's the, what spiritually, that's what we should do when it comes to obeying the Lord. We, we see it when the new gadget comes out, usually around uh, Thanksgiving time. We see the news reports of people that are camping out by the store waiting to get that new whatever it is because they think it's going to be great and it's going to help them out. Oh, yeah. we th- These electronic games, you actually saw people camping out in front of stores so that they could be the first one in the door. It's cold. Buy- they're sleeping on the concrete. And they're willing to do that for some carnal thing, for some temporal thing. Why wouldn't we have that same kind of urgency about gaining the blessings in Christ? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 speaks of spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus and all these kind of things that we've been describing. And I actually think, although I think we've had lots of good suggestions from our emailers, we have not covered that subject completely. There, There are plenty of more things that we could talk about. But before our time runs out, Jacob, the third question we asked was list some disadvantages to being a Christian now. What what are the potential downsides? And and the reason why I asked this is, you know, we've been talking about great things available to Christians, but we wouldn't want to be like an army recruiter. Have you ever noticed the the recruitment advertisements for the army? Oh, they're all nice and pleasant. They're showing they're showing people who are enjoying the benefits of getting an education, maybe traveling the world and seeing the sights. You know what they don't show in those army recruiting ads? They don't show a, a guy uh, in a foxhole with bombs going off all around him and his buddy laying beside him dead, bleeding or, or dead. They don't show the downside of being in the army because they want they're trying to get people to come in. They're not going to show them the bad the potential bad side of being a, a soldier. They're just showing all the plus. We don't want to be that way. We, we we want to discuss any potential disadvantage that you might experience now, right now, for being a Christian. Well, Phil in Spring Hill takes sort of the same approach that uh, Sam does in India. He says there are no disadvantages to being a Christian now. Perceived disadvantages are not actually disadvantages when we think not as carnal but as spiritual. Trials and temptations serve to strengthen us and glorify God. Furthermore, only carnal, sensual thinking would lead us to believe that not living an immoral life is a disadvantage. uh, This idea makes about as much sense as saying that a child who is not prohibited from consuming a steady steady diet of coke and uh, cake and coke is somehow disadvantaged. Yes, the child may enjoy the food, but it is ultimately destructive to him. Missing out on a life of sin and the trouble sin brings is not a disadvantage. Okay, so he he there is sort of echoing what we said. Being a Christian keeps us out of all kinds of bad, uh, and so and and your question really was as as Phil mentions, addressed to the to the carnal. To the the physical, maybe the physical comforts and the physical, um, uh, maybe not having to go through some temptations. Yeah, uh, and again, that question may not have been really well worded. And I certainly understand what Phil is saying there in his email, but I I had in mind the idea that Jesus said, "Take up your cross and follow me." That there's there are burdens to be borne. Okay, it's that, going to be a challenge. There's it, there's challenges. There's a cost. Jesus said, "Count the cost of discipleship okay. before you decide to obey." And so that that's probably the idea that I was trying to develop uh, it, it, with that question. And uh, and Phil would say that those costs are outweigh. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the benefits outweigh the cost. Exactly. Absolutely. All right, and that maybe you were alluding to something like Steve has mentioned in Pennsylvania. 
lists the disadvantage of being a Christian now. In Hebrews 11:25, it describes sin as a passing pleasure. When we become Christians, just as Moses did, we have to suffer affliction rather than give in to these passing pleasures. Sin is pleasurable to our flesh because it feels good. However, it hurts our spiritual bodies. Sin never fulfills our deep desires and longings. Only a right relationship with God will fulfill those desires. And so passing pleasures, you can enjoy those. And as Phil says, they're not good anyway. Yeah, that's right. So we're not going to be able to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season, but that's not good for us anyway. But you are going to have to suffer affliction. Yeah, uh, there in Hebrews chapter 11, Moses, uh, 11, Hebrews eleven twenty four, Moses, when he was coming to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasure of sin for season. So he for, he. he he had to forego the pleasure of sin for season. That's one. But he also, there was some affliction. There was some hardship in being the, the servant of the Lord that he was. And so we, we're, what, we're, what we're saying, we're not, we're not denying that living the Christian life is a challenge. It, it requires burden bearing. Uh, there are certain things that, that may come upon us like persecutions, for instance, but but even in those, as Samuel in India said, we can look at those from the positive perspective is that it helps perfect us and make us uh, more mature spiritually. Uh, Samuel goes on to mention, he says, temptation levels are way higher than before. And he's, he's thinking about the challenges, he's yeah. saying. Now, yeah. you got one of the challenges, the temptation levels are higher. Yeah, he, he mentions media, popular culture that dictate the norms of society. It's harder and harder for new believers to be unswayed by these things. And I, I agree with you. I, I think we, if we, we've often mentioned one of our recurring themes on the virtual Bible study is that we live in a day and time when the, when the devil is able to put temptations before us, not new temptations necessarily, but in new ways that, that others have never experienced in the past. All right. And Patrick in Alabama says, if one's mind is fully transformed, one will see absolutely no disadvantage at all. The Apostle Paul, for example, had this fully transformed mind, which saw every so-called disadvantage as an advantage. But from an earthly and human perspective, being a devout Christian will bring about suffering and opposition at some point. And certainly Paul experienced that suffering and opposition, but his attitude toward it was Philippians 3, verse 7, the things that were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So Paul saw those things were, he said, I've lost them all, but I don't regret it. What I've gained far surpasses what I've lost. You know, sometimes I'm afraid that we look at, at uh, being a Christian and the life of a Christian as being a burden. And something that you just have to sort of struggle with and and trudge through it, looking forward to that day that you can die and be finished with the the task, the chore, the burden of being a Christian. That's just absolutely the wrong way to look at it, isn't it? Absolutely so. And as we look at the, the life of the person who lives any way that he pleases, and then right before he dies, he gets cancer. He finds out he's got just a few days to live. He becomes a Christian. The temptation is that we look at that person and say, well, that was lucky. He was lucky, wasn't he? Wasn't that he fortunate? Really wasn't, he wasn't lucky. Poor guy. Look what he missed out on. Poor guy. Look what he missed out for exactly, his whole life. Exactly right. All right. Well, thank you for the good comments tonight, Dad. Jacob, I think we had a good discussion. I hope it was helpful to everybody. Uh, uh, I, I don't think we necessarily covered any subjects that people haven't heard before, but I think maybe we need those kinds of encouragements from time to time. By the way, Jacob, before we end, we should mention sort of the last chance to request those Bible reading calendars. This This is the first week. In fact, you should, if you're following that reading schedule, you would have already had four readings completed. But the way this, that schedule is built, there's, there's time built in to catch up. And so it's not too late. This sort of last chance, if you haven't got one of those Bible reading calendars we're offering, if you'd like to have one, send us an email. We'll try to get they're, them out in the bathroom. They're 50% off for the next 24 hours. Yeah, they're free. Call now. 50% off of free. You're still, still free. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening tonight. We hope that you benefited from our discussion and that you were encouraged about the pleasure and the benefit of being obedient to God in this life. We hope that you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.